2: available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is a CBC Podcast. Hey folks, uh, Jeremy here from the Sick Boy Podcast. Uh, I want to just put a quick little announcement at the top of this episode by saying um, we have a... a, 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 This episode, spoiler alert, is partly uh, the story of what happened to me um, now out of the hospital, I'm doing much better. Uh, so we talk about my hospital experience. But at the at the tail end of this episode, we have a very, very important conversation. A conversation that is important to me on a very like deep, deep personal level. Um, we speak with a member of the CF Canada team about the importance of a new drug that is being cycled around in the in the media right now called Tricapta. And this drug could literally change lives in ways that words could never describe. In particular, people living with cystic fibrosis who have the most common genetic mutation form of the disease, which includes myself. So if you listen to anything this episode... I, I implore you, I mean, you know, listen through to the silly story of me in the hospital and, and my fears and phobias of needles. Um, but if that's not doing it for you, just take a moment, skip on to the, the 50 minute mark and listen to our conversation with Kim Steele from CF Canada, because um, we need your help. We need your help to help get a a life-changing medication into the hands of, of the Canadians who need it. And you can play a role within that, and it would mean the, the fucking world to me. So if, if you've been listening to this podcast and you're a fan, please, please make sure you listen to that tail end of the, of the show. Love you all. Thank you all so much for your support. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. And we'll see you on the other side.
2: Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast that talks about what it's like to be sick, This week, the guys recap Jair's brush with death, and with guest Kim Steele explore a possible breakthrough in CF treatment. Let's talk about it.
1: Well, here we are. We've made it. Another day. Another dollar.
2: Guys, I'm still reading this porno. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> seriously put that down. Taylor is, uh, is... No, we don't have to get into that right now. This episode is too important... Well, to, hold to, on. ...to talk about Hustler yeah, magazine. It's we not- should
0: actually... We should... No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, put the porno mag down. Okay, no. Let's, um, let's actually so, start it. Well... Start the podcast it's already right It's already started, Brian. This is, uh, th- unfortunately, this is the way our, our podcast works. I
2: didn't buy the porno mag... I was going into our incorporation articles, our company's documents, to renew with the government, and I fe- and and Dave, our office mate, yeah, uh, a little to my uh, not to, not unbeknownst to me, had put up. A porno mag in our articles of incorporation. He pulled a, a little
0: pranksy wanksy
1: a
2: year ago, and I'm just finding it now. This well,
0: is the least professional organization I've ever been a part of.
2: Oh, most certainly,
1: dude, absolutely. Uh, but we're we're gonna have a meeting about that after this to to uh, talk about that. Um, so we're here, we're back together. This is the first time we sat down on the mics before uh, since I uh, I almost died oh
0: yeah it it is isn't it it? yeah it
1: was pretty severe i almost uh almost died i was in the hospital i didn't actually almost die i just had a a what was referred to as a significant pneumonia as opposed to anybody else who has
0: insignificant
1: uh, no dude i don't know why that you keep fucking saying that every time (laughs) i bring it
2: up it's with what they were saying was Brian really had that on the tip of his tongue on Global the other day. Right? Yeah, I
1: know. He was trying to say that on live television, and I was like, <laughs> What are you talking about? They were literally just saying, You have a super fucking intense infection. And on I your just left think lung.
0: everybody is equal. So, you know, the problem is, is that as soon as you start categorizing, not all, and you, not they, everybody is equal, Brian. Not all infections are equal. <laughs> now, this is like a two tiered health system, and I don't condone that. Um, it was
1: uh, trying
2: to bring social justice into the infection realm. Definitely not
1: the podcast for that. <laughs> um, uh, but it was it was a pretty interesting uh, little scenario there, um, uh, and we we didn't we haven't really talked about it on the show. I think now would be a good time to to kind of bring it up. But uh, kind of a fuck story. So I uh, we were in Newfoundland in St. John's together, and I remember when I we landed there, and we, so we went there to like do a little live show. Uh, Which just recently, or is recently coming out, or
0: just came out? Did we release it last (laughs) week? Yeah, I
1: don't know. It depends on when we decide to release this. (laughs) Anyway, we did a live show in Newfoundland, and we did we spoke at a at a at a um at a like a health conference. Yeah. And when we landed in Newf, I was like, before,
2: like we were at the airport, and you were like, my life sucks right now.
1: Yeah, I was just like, guys, I feel. Like I'm getting sick. And this is not this is not the first time this has happened. I was
0: going to say, you almost always call it when you get sick. I think you do, always. Every fucking time. A- every single time, you've always been like, guys, I'm about to get really sick. And I'm like, what is it? How do you know? What, what do you feel? And you're just like, I don't know, I just... I just know. It, and you're always right. It literally is spidey sense. I think but then you, you t- will yourself to be sick.
2: But then you took some, uh, <laughs> no. but then you took some, you, um, you took like some Advil or Tylenol or some shit and you were like, oh, actually I feel pretty good now.
1: Well, here's what's interesting. So what I was feeling in my body was what I think was like what you feel when you get a fever. So like the body aches, the kind of like mm. that weird throb. And so I, I, I don't ever take Tylenol or, or Advil. Like ever. Even if I have a headache, I'm just like, oh fuck, I got a headache. Like I don't. I, it's not because I'm I'm like anti pain meds. I just <laughs> I just don't think about it. Yeah. And I was like, man, I feel achy. I feel like fevery. And either Becca or, or Bridie was like, like baby you should take some Tylenol. And so I popped a couple of Tylenol, and it was like night and day. I was like, oh my god, I feel amazing. Yeah. I feel so much better. Um, but that was a very short term kind of thing. Because what happened was we were there. We did Newfoundland was fucking awesome. But like every night I was kind of like, I'm calling it quits. I, you know, I wasn't really down to like hang out too late party, which is like, that's more of you guys than me. Usually like I'm usually always down to stay out. And then, and then you guys flew home and instead of flying home, I had bought tickets to see big thief in Boston with my girlfriend and a couple of pals who I've
2: recently got into because I've heard them in your car. Dude, time. they're so good. They eh? are good. Yeah. If
1: you don't listen to Big Thief, you should really check it out. It's just beautiful, <coughs> hauntingly UFO beautiful. U F O F. Yeah, the album. That was an yeah. album they dropped this year, yeah. and then they dropped another one this year. Yeah, it's good. Two hands. Um. So anyway,
2: flew down to Boston. Two hands through two thumbs. Is Man, I remember? haven't hands,
0: I haven't listened to Big Thief yet, and I feel like I've been robbed of an experience. You. It's good. It's really good. It is so good. That I feel I, like there's like I'm like they've stolen something from me. You That's know, a like terrible an experience joke. that I terrible been waiting j- to have. It's like, a terrible okay.
2: objectively bad joke. Yeah. It's um, it's almost criminal
0: that I haven't listened to them yet. Well,
2: Your sense are, of humor are, is we, criminal. We I feel new, like I'm
1: gonna go to jail if <laughs> we're losing subscribers by the minute.
2: But when we were still in in Newfoundland, Jer, you were saying you we were talking about how we might have to cancel our live show that was supposed to be in the, Newfoundland. The following no, 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 the following Thursday. Oh right, because we had right we had a we had a huge
1: fundraiser for Sick Wish lined up in Halifax. Yeah,
2: like we were in Newfoundland already, so it was like the <laughs> live show here. Like we're fucking here already. So like, yeah. barring you passing out and needing to go to the hospital like on the spot, we were yeah. gonna do the show. But we were talking about having to cancel that show, and we kind of talked about it, and then you kind of felt like you were coming around with your health, a little bit. Yeah. And so we decided, okay, we're not going to do that, and then you took off to Boston, and we went home.
1: I flew to Boston, landed in Boston. That night, the the night I landed there, went to see Big Thief. After the show, it was like 10 p.m., and uh, Becca and our pals were like, let's go get some beers. And I was like, I got to check out. I got to go straight back to the Airbnb. So I left everybody, went to the Airbnb, passed out immediately, woke up super early the next morning and was like, I have a hardcore fever. I know it. So I woke back up. She went to get a thermometer, brought it back. Of course, I was like, I I was. What's a high fever? 104. I think it was like 105. Like it was, it was funny. It was like, I
2: just. Isn't it's, 102 like not good?
1: I feel, uh, I don't know. I think that's like baseline. I know yeah. 30, if you know, it's over, if it's baseline. over like 30, if it's over 38.5 or if it's over 39, like that's right. bad, but
2: 98 degrees, you know what I'm saying? Nick Lachey. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. If you're over a hundred degrees, you're like, you're yeah. fucking burning yeah. up baby. Bye. 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 And so,
2: I think that's NSYNC.
1: um, and so I, it turns out I did have a fever. And I was in Boston and I had travel insurance, but I was kind of tripping. Like I was like, okay, do I,
2: if is it I go, really covered?
1: Yeah, because like if I if I go to urgent care, my mom was like, maybe you should go to urgent care or like you should just come home. And I was like, Well, if I go to urgent care and even though I have travel insurance, like is there a possibility that they could go, Well, like a preexisting
2: pre existing condition, like we're not it doesn't really yeah. cover it. And just like travel insurance in general, it's like, it's like it's like pet insurance. I feel like I've I've had pet insurance, but every time I've needed to fucking use it, they go, "We don't cover Man, that." dude, yeah. I <laughs> yeah.
0: hate. I am so guilty of never booking travel insurance, which is I think it's a bad habit. Like I, I, it I most I, certainly I, is because if you I get know. hit by a car down there, like that's not pre, there's
1: nothing pre existing about that car well, running it over your legs.
0: But um, but one time I did book uh travel insurance for cancellation insurance on a flight and I needed to use it. And I called them up and said, I need to use my cancellation insurance that I've specifically paid for, for this trip. And they were like, sorry, the reason why you're canceling is not covered. Right. I didn't right. get the money back. And you're
2: like, what? And yeah. I'm like, shouldn't, shouldn't it's, it not matter at all? It's not cancellation asterisk insurance. Well, well it, it is, I, I, <laughs> It, it <laughs> is. but also I think there's like, I think
1: there's value to travel health insurance. Sure. That of course. is like, e- like e- it's especially kind of for like you. It, well, especially for me or anybody. Like, if yeah, you, you shouldn't mean, like, be more going to the show
2: for you because of because you got fucking CF. Well, that well, maybe th- maybe maybe right. not
1: with the CF stuff. Did right. you
2: find out at all if it was if you would have been fucked? Or it's a like, lot. Of,
1: it's a lot of small print. I got to talk to the CF clinic to like actually figure it out. See,
0: honestly though, if I was in your shoes, if I had the choice of like knowing I could either go to the hospital or get on a plane and fly home, I would get the fuck home. Like I would never take the risk because yeah. I feel like they're looking for a reason to not have to. And pay. I think
1: I texted you and you were yeah. like, dude, just fly home. Yeah, definitely. I did, yeah. And so that's exactly what I did. Cause I, you'd
2: be in a waiting room and shit anyway. Yeah. Like the difference would be what, like five or six hours difference.
1: Yeah. So I, I booked a flight, immediately flew home, landed, my dad picked me up, drove straight to the ER. It's a
2: fifty-five minute flight from my Boston. Yeah, it was
1: very, it was very quick. Um, and once I went into the ER, I didn't leave. I was in there. They admitted me, um, took my blood work, did an X ray, and then came back with the very um, uh, polarizing, <laughs> polarizing uh, view of telling me that I had a significant po- uh, a, a pneumonia.
2: Not to take away from <laughs> pneumonia, anybody, anybody else's pneumonia
1: should be like uh, a. Type B pneumonia, yeah, um,
2: just to be a little bit more fair. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Uh, but what I will say is that from being in there, they put me – it was like the standard kind of like, you're locked in here for two weeks. We're going to put you on two bags of antibiotics every every eight hours. And um, I, it like by day three, I was like a n- f- night and day difference. I was like, holy shit, I feel – So much better than I did when I walked in here. Like it was a really quick turnaround. And by day five, they were like, Yeah. At this point now it's just like a technicality. You gotta like hang out here.
2: And the reason that you have to and this is the reason that I've been telling people you gotta stay for two weeks, and it's the reason that I remember you telling me, but I can't remember if it's actually fucking true or not, (laughs) is that you go into the hospital, you're sick, you've got an infection. And even though they can do that and basically turn you around in, like, three to five days, like, no problem, most of the time, they're like, just in case, because it's CF and because you're not, like, you're not me or you're not Brian, whatever, like, if if things, for some reason, do go fucking south for you, at least you're here.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, really, I don't know about that. Like, it's hard to say, like, with this case, because... I still needed to finish the course of antibiotics, which is a two-week course, but like, could I, if I didn't have CF and I had a significant pneumonia, and for some reason they were like, "Well, we're going to admit you for that," which I don't know if they would for a normal person, mm. But let's say they did. Um, they might have been able to be like, "Oh, you're looking good. We're going to switch you over to oral antibiotics of the same ones mm-hmm. and send you home." which you're more of a fan of oral. I do love oral. Mm-hmm. Antibiotics, as opposed to well, actually, I know you're joking because oral is funny and haha, I like oral. Um, That's- a, who doesn't? And B, yeah, who doesn't? I, I, I do actually prefer taking antibiotics orally because I have. So I guess we can talk about this right now. Um, oral, w- uh, some oral. Yeah, let's talk about oral. <laughs> uh, when I went in there, uh, they gave me a pick line. Second time I ever had a pick line in my life. <sighs> And
2: let's get into the it. The pick
1: line is obviously way better than IV, and like we've talked about this maybe a little bit on the show. Speaking of oral, um, put that Hustler magazine down, Taylor. Uh, we, I, I hate that we have that right? idea. <laughs> it's not by choice. I, uh, I have a phobia of of, uh, um, well, we actually like specified it while I was in there, so I don't have a phobia of needles. I have a very specific phobia. Of things being inserted into my veins, so like I have a phobia. <laughs> what else goes <laughs> into your veins
2: other than needles?
1: Well, You'd uh, be the worst heroin pick, addict.
2: A pick line yeah, goes in your veins. I mean, like um, your your well, brain must conf- like they must your brain must take those two things and make them kind of the same. Like the pick of line course, is going
1: but, in. But here is how intense it gets. I have it's it's not just things going inside my veins. It's like my veins in general. So like the idea of you pinching my vein makes me very not okay,
2: you've never said that before have you did you know that before
1: I did, but I didn't realize how intense it was until we until I started talking to a psychologist about it while I was in the hospital so was like, that
2: brought on because you freaked when they put the pick line in uh the psychologist like did you talk to the psychologist because of that or was that a part of well' like, just a part of the whole thing so i had I
1: had a few panic attacks in the hospital. the first panic attack was for them to insert an IV because the IV had to hang out in there mm-hmm. uh, before they could put it in the pick line because like i it's they need to like order the pick line and, and the IV is pretty quick they just fucking IV just they just go Boop, but yeah. was
0: but you had a panic attack this time but you've had a ton of IVs IVs before like have you so this ever was, been that bad I have no, well not so yes and no I've
1: had one panic attack prior to this and it was the last time I was in the ER because of an IB. Mm. And before that, it would be like I would get really worked up and always cry and like be really high emotions. But like this time when I went in like a couple of weeks ago, it was full on like full on anxiety, intense panic attack where when it's over, I pass out. Because I'm, oh, so, I'm so exhausted. That's
0: crazy. Because like the logical part of my brain, and I assume yours, it like you've you've been through that experience so many times, and like yes, it's panic-inducing um, when it happens. But you you would think that over time, knowing that it's okay, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, that it would get easier. But over time, I'm not saying it's going to be okay. I'm doing something
1: in my brain, unbeknownst to me, saying it's not going to be okay, and so every time it happens. It stacks on top of each other and becomes worse and worse and worse, which is what it's been doing for the last
2: yeah. ten years. Right. It's
1: just been getting increasingly
0: worse. This fear surrounding my vein. There is this, um, you know that you know the idea about like um, our 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 brains are are geared towards remembering bad memories over positive memories, um, right. like the fight or flight thing. You know, mm-hmm. we like we'll um, sit and think about um, bad things. Like bad experiences way longer than we will good experiences. There's this quote that I heard today about um, bad experiences being like Velcro to your brain, and good experiences being like Teflon. So, like you you know you you hear a uh, hundred compliments. And you're like, oh, that's nice, that's nice, thanks, thanks. And then one person says something bad about you and you just think about that over the hundred. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. which is exacerbated
2: things. in like 2019 with social media and fucking yeah, comments. Right, exactly. Shit.
0: But it's kind of like your brain, you know, like you go through this, you know, say say it's even 30 minutes of like getting worked up about getting a, a needle yeah, and you're getting worked up and you, you feel really shitty and all of a sudden, you know, you get the needle and it's fine even though it was fine in the end, all you can think about is like that anxiety leading up to it and how shitty and like yeah. terrible of an experience it's going to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so it got so bad that they brought in a psychologist to like explore this shit. And before the psychologist came in, I was like, Oh, I have a fear of needles. And he was like, Oh, okay. Well, um, let's, uh, let's explore that. So, you know, we were, we were talking about like exposure therapy and he was like, all right, cool. So like, I'll go, I can like get some needles And, like, we get some, like, antiseptic wipes and, like, you know, maybe, like, we'll hold the needle around you. And I go, oh, uh, no, 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 no. Like, dude, you could give me a needle right now and I could take that thing and push it into my skin and maybe even break the skin and be fine. Like, that, that... You cover me in needles i'm okay yeah look at your tattoos yeah. So like it, on it, it, yeah yeah try <laughs> that. <laughs> try it, <laughs> try it uh i got a little inside joke there um that's uh, gonna be weird for everybody uh, if get that. but your you could just says. you could just cover me in needles or pierce me or whatever like i'm fine with that i was like it's just when when it's the idea of the needle going into my vein and he was like huh
2: Interesting. That's very specific. <laughs> so it's right. your veins. Are it, you, like, do you, you feel weird about like you feel weird if I were to like 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 touch the yeah. inside of your elbow? Yeah, I don't want
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's okay if you touch it, but like if you if you know if you were to like it. grab it and pinch pinch at it like as yeah. if you were trying to like get a hold of my vein, mm-hmm. I would be very. Yeah, I, like I recoil with like almost violence. Yeah,
2: like I, I, I mean, I, I understand that because I understand that in the way that like I also feel weird about my veins and like I'm not a huge fan of getting an IV or or like getting blood drawn or anything like that. But but it's kind of like it's a momentary, yeah. It's a moment. It's a fleeting like discomfort.
1: You're, yeah, you're kind of like. Ugh, but I can go. see
2: how if I if my brain started to become really irrational, yeah. how I could start jumping to like being very, very uncomfortable yeah. with
1: it. And it, it was so bad that like, so they had the pick line in and basically if you don't know what a pick line is, it's like look at your bicep and then go where in between your bicep and your tricep would like be on your arm. They stick it into the side of your arm.
2: Which is my and, most uncomfortable area on my body. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. So they stick it in there. I had a nerve response whenever I get touched there.
1: Into a main like vein and that vein travels straight to your heart. So they take this long thing and they put it through. And so for the for the procedure, I was so worked up, dude. I felt so bad for the nurse. So I I get admitted. It's like this young like sh- she looked like it was her first day out of university. First day on like out of school, first day on the job. So she was so young looking and she was very like petite and very like um like, like, I don't, like, I don't. I, I'm. I. Like, Hi. She. Well, she was. She was very like. Like, I don't, I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but like very mousy. Like very quiet. Sure. And like, hey, hello. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna get like, ask you a few questions. Like, or yeah, I'm just kind of like, what? Speak up. Like, I can. Who are? Huh? <laughs> I'm tripping out here. Yeah. Turns so, into an old man. <laughs> so she. She came in and was like, okay, so, uh, and she knows that I had a hard time with the with the. The IV. With the IV. Oh man. And so she was like, I just want to let you know that like they're ready to do the pick line and like her eyes, I can see like her eyes <laughs> oh, getting God. bigger because she can see my eyes getting bigger. And I was like Okay. And she's like, They're they're gonna come up in like maybe an hour. And I was like, Okay, listen listen to me. Listen to me. Like I basically like grabbed her <laughs> and was like, Look, look into my eyes. Look at me. Listen to me. I need I need to not remember this i need you to give me drugs and she was like oh, okay okay i i think that they have ativan ordered and i was like how much i need all of it i need all the ativan and she was like not
2: remembering is an interesting thing oh yeah though, right? no. because I'm, like does it really matter if you remember it or that you like i would
1: dude i was so scared that i was like i need you to fucking if you have that little device that the men in black walk around with
2: you, but does looking back on it give you anxiety or does it yeah. only, is it only in the moment that you no, feel? No, yeah. Like but even- you don't have like any like
0: <laughs> – this is the worst thing to say in this moment because I understand – like I understand mental illness, right? I and I understand, do. I understand that people can't just like rationalize things sometimes. But like as somebody who can sit here and, and rationally talk about things and you don't have a mental illness – I wonder, like, don't you have any ounce of like positive self talk that's going on in there? That's like not in that <laughs> moment, <laughs> but like Dude, you know, in you, that knowing moment, that you struggle with that, you don't have any piece of that's like in that okay, moment. Okay. There are
1: there, I'm on the eighth floor. There's literally like little just slivers of voices in my head going, "You'd be better off to jump out that window. Like pr- you, you might live and be able to run away." And if you die, at least you don't have to go through with the fucking procedure. Like just, just so hawk your body out there, man. Like escape, get out, get out. So I'm, I'm gra- I'm, gra- I'm in my mind. I'm grabbing this nurse and I'm like, give me what you got. And I remember she goes, um, do that? Like, do you remember? Cause she knew I had one before, a uh, pick line before. And she was like, do you remember like what you did last time? And I was like, they gave me, they gave me midazolam. They gave me midazolam. I need midazolam. I need all the midazolam. Medazolam is like this. You Needs your
2: whole store. Yeah. Medazolam.
1: She was like, "Okay, okay, I, I'm going to go talk to the doctors." So she like left. Medazolam is um, it's it's kind of like an anesthetic, I guess. Um, uh, or so, anesthetic?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, anesthetic uh, is like shit that. That's
1: like a sleepy, sleepy time. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's kind of like an yeah. anesthetic, it's like a sleepy time. But it, but from what I recall, there specifically, it doesn't knock you out, but it erases your memory. So it prevents you from creating new memories once you take it. That's scary. But
2: the worst part then is still there, which is going through it.
1: But not if I don't remember it.
0: That, so this hold on. This is where my brain is at. Okay? What you really need is David Goggins. Like you need David Goggins to walk into the no, room and just motivationally coach you. through No,
2: dude, experience. yeah, dude, dude. I was guy, there when he took it out. I was of no help. He was no help.
1: So because you're not David Goggins. So what she did was she went and got. I'm almost as good as fucking David Goggins. Dude, That guy is too much for me. Uh, she went and got the. She got medazolam ordered, and then she, and then and I took ativan, and she brings it in. And she gives it to me subcutaneously. So she gives it to me in, like, the fat of my arm. And I was like, how much is this? How much midazolam is this? And she was like, it's... Uh, it's Too much. It's one milligram. And I was like, okay. And, and I was like, how much is that? Is that enough? Like, what... I, and she was like, it's a lot stronger than Ativan. I'm like, all right, I took one Ativan. I got one milligram of midazolam. Okay, I'm going to be okay. So she goes, they'll be up in, like, one hour. So 30 minutes go by. And she comes in. She's like, hey, like like hello hi how are you how are you doing and i was like I'm fu- I am fucked. I am fucked. I can still, I still remember everything. I need more. I remember everything. <laughs> I was like, I don't feel any different. And she goes, oh, uh, uh, and I was like, I need more. I need more midazolam. So she goes, she gets another order of a milligram of midazolam and gives me another one.
2: At what point is anybody going, is this guy just fucking gaming us right now for drugs?
1: I don't think, I don't think so because I'm literally showing like, I'm, yeah, I'm in tears. I'm, I'm hyperventilating. Like You're I'm a trained I'm a, actor. I am also that. Dude. Which is true. But, but here's the thing. She gives me another one. So she goes, all right, I've given you two milligrams of midazolam and you've taken an Ativan and then she leaves and I immediately text my buddy, Andrew, and I go, hey,
2: mida- a, he's a respirologist. He's a, he's a,
1: no, 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 he's no, no, he's, he'd be like, fuck, do not tell people that he's an RT, he's a respirology therapist. So he's, he's not a doctor. But he—that's very confusing. I know, I know. He's, he's not a doctor, but he's an RT. So he—he's he, a doctor. He—he—he he actually spends time in operating rooms and like, and and like uh, observes patients while they're while they're under and like makes sure they're still breathing. He's also really smart, so. super fucking smart. So I go, Andrew, what do you know about midazolam? And he goes, I work with it every day. Like I I see patients use it every day, and I go, I've just taken two milligrams of midazolam and a milligram of Advan, Is that enough? And he goes, that is a lot. And you should be so okay. You just need to let the drugs work. He's like, you just need to take some deep breaths, let the drugs work. And I'm like, okay. okay. You need the coach. So I started, but yeah, I need Dave Goggins. So I start breathing Which, and I'm like, just
2: for anybody who doesn't know David Goggins and just oh toss that in the Google and, uh, just, or Instagram and just, just a, click he, on anything. He's
1: a maniac. Um, so anyway, they come up, they're like, all right, we're going to get you Jeremy Saunders. They take me, they bring me down to the, 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 the procedure room, like the operating room. And it is like, an it's an OR and they wheel me in and the, and I'm now at this point, I'm like, if we were to rate like the anxiety on like, uh, zero to a hundred, I'm I'm 99.9. Like I am over the roof, freaking the fuck out. And I'm looking at this lady. It's this woman who's going to do the procedure. And I'm looking at her like as if I'm pleading for my life. And I'm going, listen to me. They've given me this much. And I feel so normal. I need you to help me. I need you to do something. And, and she's it, like, did you even try the Wim Hof technique? Well, she was kind of like, she was like, if somebody
2: at a hospital said that, I'd be
1: really concerned. <laughs> she was she was like, listen, hun. like, just, I know, I know. But like, you just take a couple deep breaths. Like we'll just hang out. And I go, no, 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 no. Like I know we're beyond this. Please, just please, just please like, please help me, help me. So she goes one second, she goes into this other room with this like team of doctors. And then she comes back out and she goes, all right, I'm going to give you another milligram of midazolam intravenously and some fentanyl intravenously. And I was like, okay, which is pretty crazy because it's a pain med. Right, but also it's a it, it, it's like it uh, it creates an opiate, immediate opioid. euphoria. Yeah, totally. So I think it's a it's more so like we're gonna make you feel mm-hmm. totally okay, like nothing's gonna matter, and that's what she did. She put she put the mendazolam in, and then the fentanyl, and it was immediately different. Well, well, after it all, I still remember the whole procedure. I, I I was awake the whole time. I have memory of it all. I was talking to her the entire time. It was totally fine get up to my room, was pretty sleepy the rest of the day. I go back to Andrew. Andrew came to my room to visit. And I was telling him about the experience. And I was like, it's so crazy. Like, it didn't do anything. And then I told Andrew, because I didn't... Te- when I first texted him, I didn't tell him that they gave me the midazolam subcutaneously. And he was like, huh, that's super weird that they gave it to you through your arm. Instead like, of? Instead of through your IV.
3: Because
1: <clears throat> he was like, "It would, it would take... A long time for that to work subcutaneously, you've already if, got, even if it
2: did work. And you've already got the IV in, so why not yeah, do it that way?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't know if the nurses couldn't, like, if my little terrified mousy nurse would, like, I don't know if she could have. Like, I don't know what, what that her role is. Like, she probably doesn't have the um, – she's probably not allowed to actually give me, like, intravenous –
2: Medazolam. right you know because 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 different nurses <laughs> depending on like if you're an rn or the it, other like, or, sh- designations or she's just, or, or, experience. or she's or
1: she's not a fucking
0: uh anesthesiologist right you know or
1: whatever yeah. or, well, or
2: like or, the little red tape yeah, things or that or a physician. Hi, i
0: have a question if you're freaking out right before um they do something like that are you able to say no as a patient and like just have them stop yeah so like because you were so. freaking out and you're like no 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 I don't want this I like give me something if you were like no stop this like they, yeah would they just have but to in stop? my head I'm going if I want to be better I can't yeah. say no yeah yeah and they know I'm just curious because like watching Grey's Anatomy the other day spoiler alert for people who haven't watched the most recent episode um, what Maggie that was show's still
2: going dude season sixteen. Oh my god! And the only reason uh, I fucking know that is because I watch football every Sunday, and I got to watch those <laughs> god awful commercials. Right?
0: And yeah, she was about to do an operation on uh, on this girl <laughs> who's her cousin who looked exactly like her, and and the dad didn't want what a great storyline. I was like, no, and she was like, no, and then sounds engaging. Yeah, the
1: girl died. I wow. cannot believe yeah, you choose to watch that over some of the things that you could be watching at home.
3: Just yeah, saying, I don't know. I enjoy. I get it. it.
1: Yep. But I get it. But also just saying. Yeah. Well, no judgment. Um, I, there's so many people that heard me say that listening to this right now. I'm going, fuck you, Jeremy. Um,
2: uh, but crazy anatomy. But I don't
0: know, dude, I don't know. There's a reason why it's, it's gone on for so long. I
2: mean, like, if you're going to pick a, uh, um, if you're going to pick a medical job, so, at least watch
0: house. So I want to keep going on your story, Jerry. but a uh, quick interjection there too. Um, so I went to the hospital with my mom the other day because she was like randomly, um, really sick. And and uh, we t- I took her to the emergency room. Oh yeah, room. it was in the middle of the day. I can't remember what day of the week it was, uh, but it
2: was a Friday. We were about to Friday, we were yeah. we were about to go and uh, and do some work, and then you had to jet.
0: Yeah, that's right. So I went to I my mom got like pretty sick. Like uh, she was throwing up, and she just had uh, a dental operation. Oh, um, right. done, and and she was worried that she was having an allergic reaction to the penicillin. Oh, so. But there's this, um, she has been allergic to penicillin. She was taking amoxicillin, which apparently you're not supposed to do. But I was actually doing this research about penicillin allergies. And apparently... Oh, lots of people have it. But apparently they're not, there was a Harvard uh, medical review done. And apparently a lot of penicillin allergies are actually Misdiagnoses. Uh, misdiagnosis,
2: misdiagnosis?
1: Misdiagnosis. Um,
0: misdiagnosis. Sis. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. so anyway, I took my mom to the hospital and, and the wait in the emergency room was crazy. Oh, it's astounding. There was like 30 people. Yeah. And, um, damn, I
1: wonder,
2: I haven't been to the emergency room in a long time. Well,
1: yeah. even when I went, even when I went to get admitted, they had a room, they were like,
0: we have a room for you. I still waited. It
2: because was you maybe they six they hours. For you?
0: So yeah. we had, we, we had arrived there and they said the wait was, um, was like three and a half hours minimum, but like before you even went through the doors, and um and so um we were sitting there, and there's this guy in the corner, and as soon as we sat down, he's like in the corner, he's just going, <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck, and I looked. Did you have him. your noise canceling headphones? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh so,
1: no. So
2: so he's if, if he's, he did, it would have been like. So he's up on the
0: chair like this. Brian, people, can't this it, like, people can't see
1: this, but people can't see But Brian's like butts up on the back of the chair.
2: Brian looks like he's reverse he, cowgirl. Dude, yeah,
1: yeah, you do look like something out of that Hustler magazine right now, especially <laughs> so with that muscle shirt
0: he's, on. <laughs> he's he's moaning like he's just moaning like crazy. And and my my initial reaction. So first I look around the waiting room, and thirty people sitting there are like. Just totally blank face, like not even looking at the guy. And I can tell that he's been there for a bit and like they've all been there for a bit. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? So then I was wondering, is this the bystander effect? Like, is this guy actually really f- seriously fucked up, but nobody's just said anything because nobody feels responsible for it?
2: And it's the emergency rooms where everyone's like, everyone's fucked.
0: Yeah, right. So I, I go over to the um, the registration desk and I was like, fine, if nobody's going <laughs> to... Like say anything, I'll I'll at least go and uh, and bring it up. So I walk over to the registration desk and um, I was just like, "Hey guys, um, I know that you're. I can tell that your hands are pretty full here, but I just wanted to make you aware of the fact that there's this guy like interpretive dancing, like, moaning, over and like he seems like he's in an incredible amount of discomfort. Um, I don't know if he's been like this for a while or or what, but like um, nobody really seems to be acknowledging him. So I just wanted to to let you know that he's he's there. And they're like,
2: yeah, he comes in like uh, every second day. Oh, and no. I was like,
0: oh, man. So I was like... remember when we that- were in
2: Toronto, Brian, and, we, and we, we got in really early in the morning and we were going through that intersection and there was a naked... <laughs> this is in fucking like... <laughs> jam- this is in November. Oh, this it was is like, going to make me sad. It was like minus one and there was a guy fully naked with boots and a on, fully naked. Ugh. Yelling and dancing in the middle what of was a it like, four-way intersection, like six thirty in the morning, or something. super early. And then we went up to another intersection, and there was a traffic cop. And we were like, "Hey, man, there's a guy." But any, any, we, and he just goes, "Oh, you, the, the naked guy?" And we go, "Yeah." And he goes, "Yeah, I know."
1: Yeah, welcome to Toronto, dude. Yeah, yeah.
2: and I was just like, "Wow, I wasn't expecting that kind of response."
1: That was like when, when uh, there's oh, sorry,
2: it reminds me of that exact same or incident. Or when,
1: when, when I lived in Toronto, and there was two. Uh, Two uh, people who were addicted to crack uh, broke into our house and held us at knife point. And, and you had to give them all your crack? N- no, but they were telling us that this used to be a crack house. Um, and then we had to like convince them to get out. They eventually left. We called the cops, and the cops showed up. And the cops were like, Wait, you don't lock your doors? And we were We're all fucking East Coasters. And we were like, Not when we're know. home. And they go, Pfft welcome to Toronto kids. Like it's, we were, we were like fresh, like first yeah. year university. And we were like, Oh my God.
0: Yeah. So, um, so we ended up, um, uh, leaving the, leaving the hospital that day. Um, because oh, you didn't say it was just like, m- my mom decided to go to a walk-in clinic instead. And which, you know, to be fair, um, the emergency room is for emergencies. And you know, like I do we from- not have
1: urgent care here.
0: I, I don't know. Care? I think you brought that up, and I was curious I about what that is. I think we
1: have urgent care here. What's urgent care? Urgent care is like the ER, but not for like... The ER is like, oh, I have a, I have a machete in my skull. I gotta go to the ER. Urgent care is like, fuck, I got this like weird chest pain, and it's not going away. Yeah.
2: I'm gonna go to urgent care. It seems like urgent care is where I've always needed to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: me
1: too.
2: Like, I don't know if the... Yeah. Emerg- well, I've needed the emergency room once or twice recently, but...
1: Nah, when you got hit by that car, you just need a (laughs) walk-in (laughs) clinic. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this very short break.
0: Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it?
1: Hey, folks, let me tell you about a little thing called HelloFresh. HelloFresh makes conquering the kitchen in 2019 an absolute reality with deliciously easy recipes. Now, if you're anything like me and you are very aware that you are going to die soon, which you most certainly are going to die, then, you know, you don't want to waste your time meal planning and grocery shopping. Well, that's where HelloFresh comes in. They step in and do all that garbage so you can get back to doing more of what you love while you're still alive. And hey, if you're a lazy P.O.S. like I am, don't worry about it. Most meals come together in 30 minutes, and they call for less than two pots and pans and require minimal cleanup. Now, when I say HelloFresh changed my life, I actually mean it literally changed my life. If you can, try to get your hands on my favorite, the pan-fried gnocchi which I recently found out is actually pronounced gnocchi, gnocchi, with roasted squash and ricotta. Look, I swear, you cook this thing for your friends and family, and they'll be asking you, hey, did you bring Anthony Bourdain, may he rest in peace, back from the dead to cook us this delicious meal? And you can simply reply with, nah, bra, it's just Hello fresh. Get 50% off your first box of HelloFresh by visiting hellofresh.ca slash sickboy and enter sickboy as the promo code. Again, that's hellofresh.ca slash sickboy and enter promo code sickboy. I'm fine now. I got out of the hospital. I'm good. I want to hear
0: about this. uh, I want to hear about Taylor being there when your pick line came out. Well,
1: so I had seen the psychologist a couple of times up to that point and we had worked on some like exercises to prep me for moments when this kind of comes up and uh my psychologist i'm i really like him a lot he was really awesome it was really fun to work with him so when tay was there and they pulled out my pick line i got uh it was i was like definitely panicking but it was like a five out of ten compared to a ten out of ten
2: well i mean it is it it really it really was like it it wasn't until it was like about to happen that you were freaking like you, you weren't as like, um, I was expecting you based on the story of, of it going in for you to be like freaking out a lot more on the lead up to it. Um, but they came in and basically said, Hey, um, if you want to go home today, like I was visiting you and I didn't know you were supposed to go home the next day.
3: Yeah.
1: And they kind of sprung it on me. They're like, you can go home. We just got to
2: take that pick line out. And I was sitting in the room there and I was like, Oh shit, I want and I went I want to stay for this. And I was kind of like, don't stay, dude. Yeah, and I was like, no, I'm definitely staying. And like, Get out of and here. my first thought is like and I asked Jeremy and I knowing knowing that I didn't want to assume that I could do it, so I asked him. I was like, yo, is it like how do you feel about me oh. filming this? <laughs> like is that a no-no for you or because it's, it is fucking really serious for I you? I said no. Or is it? Oh, I was going to say, please do. No, yeah, I said I no. I was it. like, I don't know, man. Yeah.
1: I really like, don't feel comfortable with good it. it's weird content. I know. That's what I
2: said. But then I was like, all I right. Know. I was like, that's fine. Whatever. So then. Um,
1: I, just, I just, you know what? I don't want to look back at how, because it's so cringy to even think about the fact that even that you were there. The fact that you were there and you had to like come up and, and like and I really appreciate it, actually like it was very helpful that you came up and were like hey it's okay buddy like well dude like there was, was no way I shoulder. could like
2: stay away from you because like I would have felt like the biggest prick in the world if I just saw <laughs> one of my best friends like basically like teetering you know on the edge of insanity you know what
1: would have been really funny though is if you filmed it anyway <laughs> and, then, and then
2: I oh, would have been like I would have been like ah <laughs> <laughs> shut up goddamn it I will next time uh, so ugh. I want watching him do it. So, so the, the, the nurse, comes in, the nurse comes in and the nurse is like getting some stuff ready. And like the nurse is like really, really meticulously cleaning, um, um, like doing like antiseptic cleaning around, around the, like the, where the pick line is and like the, the adhesive that was like around the line on the inside of his bicep. And, um, and the whole time she's doing that, it's like a slow incline up to Jair's. like, dude, oh, that yeah.
0: must make you when she's cleaning around there though. And like, she's kind of like touching the area and you can like almost feel the needle moving around. Was that like fucking with you? Is that, oh dude, I hate it.
1: Which yeah. she's Cause cause they probably
2: to, doing it to have, soothe you a little bit. Well, also
1: they have to change that dressing every like couple of days. So every uh, time they went to change the dressing. I'd be like holy fucking fuck like they got to cl- unclip the thing, pull
0: it out, like it's a whole fucking process. I, I, so, I do want to say it's not it's not funny that you have to go through that. No, like it, no, no. It, it 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 sucks. I feel like um I feel like we should agree that next time um, no matter what, we film it. Anyway. It's Sort of
2: funny in hindsight, yeah. in, exactly. <laughs> uh, but that's what it's funny.
0: It's not funny in the moment. No, it's, it was not funny it's at all. Sad in and the scary moment, at all. I was very,
2: and, I was very like, I was very like, this is horrible that you have to go through this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. so and so the, the 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 nurse is prepping it and prepping it and then and then once she's done prepping it and it's like time to do it. This now it's like really ramping up, and Jer's like he's taking heavy breaths. He's like kind of he's starting to like shake, and and like, in
1: my head I'm going, does this. Does this fucking woman, like, know what she's doing? Has she done this before? Is this her first time pulling? I don't know her history. I don't know what she's done before. Is this her first day on the job? I have no idea. What if she pulls it out and it gets stuck? If it gets stuck, is she going to keep pulling? Because I watched a video and it said, when you're pulling it out, if you get any tension, you got to stop immediately and call a physician. Does she fucking
0: know this? (laughs) You watched a video on it? Yeah, because I was trying to prep This was all part of the, like, this was part of the, the the uh, exposure therapy. I just picture you going into that monologue while walk- Taylor's standing there and oh, she's yeah. standing there. No That's my head in the
2: moment. I had my ass on the on the chair across the room because I was like, Well I'm not I don't wanna like I don't wanna make you feel crowded or anything like that when you're this is fucking happening. But then you know it started to get pretty fucking for real. And you, you you were kind of you were breathing really heavily and you were like yeah, hyperventilating hyperventilating. You kinda of started to cry a little bit and like and I was like, Oh fuck. So I went over and just like put my hand on his shoulder and was like, You can do it, man. Like it's like it's all good. Like it's all good. She's taking care of you. It's all good. And like you're 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 in like full freak out mode now. And she's like she's like I'm gonna do it. And you're like, Oh, oh, oh fuck, it's not gonna do it And I'm like, Holy shit, this is so intense. And then and Taylor
1: I'm, kicks in, and he's like, I gotta distract him. So he fish hooks me with his <laughs> finger. And I'm like, what the fuck Taylor? And he's like, Come on, buddy, yeah, come on here. Come on, yeah. And I was like, What? what <laughs> are you I, you, doing? I, started, I
2: started I started yelling cowboy noises. And then and then she just pulls it out. And she pulls it dude. It's long. Dude, it's probably what? It's probably eighteen inches long. Yeah. No, <laughs> Dude yeah, yeah, dude yeah dude and dude, no it isn't. and it comes yes. out and I, and you know when you 18
1: inches dude and she had to dude for
2: sure this long
1: yeah 100% and there's markers on it and she had so I asked Becca later because <laughs> I said after she pulled it out she, she was like alright there we go we're done and she was like kind of wrapping up and then I saw her catch herself and go uh, actually one second she wasn't talking, she was like talking to herself. She went, Oh, one second. And she grabbed the thing and looked at it and was like, 36. Mm, okay. And puts it down. And I was like, she read like a number on the fucking thing. And Becky goes, Oh yeah. She was, she was just reading the like the measurement of it to make sure that nothing was left inside you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my
2: God. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> God, I didn't know. It was that. like a magic
0: trick just
1: pulling it. You know what, that You know
2: out. what taking it out reminded me of? Have you ever been wearing like a sweater? And then you see like a little tiny, like maybe like a centimeter of a hair sticking out, and you pull the hair, but the hair ends up being like ten inches long. (laughs) It was exactly like that. And it goes like and there's no sound to it, but like it just kind of like slides out of the material of your sweater. Yeah, is it just slipped out so silent and and like and uh, at the at the very end, I know it didn't make that sound, but I imagine it just went like (laughs) just a little like it's out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was so gnarly.
0: You know what? One of the most visceral yeah. things I've heard in a long time was: uh, Did you guys listen to the Joe Rogan podcast with Artie Lang
2: Oh Dude. yeah, I, I'm, not, he, I'm not. I'm not all a, the way through. It's it, a but lot. It's crazy. Did but, you yeah. hear
0: the the bit when he, re, where he was where he's talking about? He's um, like an
2: Anthony Kiedis. He's cr- crazy fucking character. He's, yeah. he's
0: struggled pretty hard with addiction. Um, yeah, um, he would be a dream guest for me to have on Sick Boy. Um, yeah, but uh, but he was talking about. um Snorting that, that line of um, glass? Oxy,
1: oxy Coke, and glass. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. He didn't know that the glass and the, was in and there. And the sound, and he was like, it's like a, a zipper. Yeah. Oh, dude. I don't yeah. even.
2: I, literally, yeah. I, I got in, I was riding my bike, I was listening to that podcast, and I got and I went into my apartment, and he was on that story, and I haven't restarted it yet. So I haven't heard yeah. that story yet. Um, all
1: right. Listen. So So this is the reason I wanted to do this recording. Was yeah, okay, let's touch on like what happened and and how I'm doing to give everyone a bit of an update. But while I was in the hospital, uh, there was like a sort of like breaking news uh, sort of thing. And uh, I had a bunch of people. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you, huge thank you to all of the beautiful, sweet, kind messages that way too many people sent me on Instagram when I was admitted. Uh, it was super overwhelming. I still have like 99 plus requested messages that like, I just haven't even looked at because it, it, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you, people that I don't even fucking know, reached out to just say very kind things like, you know, send well wishes. I thank you for that. It really, really did help as much as it was overwhelming. Cause I felt like I needed to respond to all of them, which I'm not going it's to possible. So I'm so sorry <laughs> if you don't hear back from me. Um, and another huge thank you to everyone who there was like this trend of, and I didn't even ask for this, but people just sending me pictures of their dogs and it was like, it was so fucking sweet. Like, I was just getting all these sweet puppy videos, and I was like, this is amazing.
0: Dude, welcome to our Discord channel. Oh,
1: God. Man, I fucking love going on the Discord. There's so many
0: dog pictures.
1: So it was very sweet. Thank you all for that. But there was another thing that I got an influx of people sending me, and it was uh, about this new piece of news that kind of came out while I was in the hospital about this uh, miracle drug that has been passed by the FDA in the U.S. called Trikafta. And it's basically a drug that doesn't treat the symptoms... Of the disease, but rather is a a drug that um, that treats at the genetic level. So it is a gene modifying drug. And for those of you who don't know, cystic fibrosis is a genetic disease. So I have these mutations in my genes, and that's what causes CF. Well, this drug goes in and sort of like rewires the genes of a person living with cystic fibrosis. And Trikafta is a big deal because. There has been a few of these tr- gene-modifying drugs that have come out in the last couple of years, like Orcambi or uh, Kalydeco. And those drugs are for a very specific, very small, very rare gene pool within the CF community, Tri- um, uh, Orcambi and, and Kalydeco. Kalydeco. The thing that makes Trikafta really exciting is that the Delta F508 gene mutation which is the most common genetic mutation within CF community, which is the gene mutation that I have, uh, Trikafta treats that mutation specifically. And so it's really exciting. The reason why it's really exciting is because this drug has basically, um, after it got approved and, and through the trials that it went through in the States, it essentially is like changing people's lives and, saving people's lives um, who live with cystic fibrosis. It's the closest thing that we have and and maybe, maybe the closest thing we'll ever have to like a cure. It's not a cure, but it's, it's like the next best thing.
2: We'll cure it someday.
1: But, but for now, this is what we're working what with. we got. And so I had a bunch of people that basically wrote me and went, Oh, you're cured. Dude, look at this. <laughs> Fuck
2: yeah, bro. Like congrats. Um, you don't and, got CF anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: first off, no, that's not how it works. But secondly, um, yes, there's, there's excitement and, and, and hope surrounding the fact that this drug has been created and that in the, uh, the FDA in the U S has approved it. Um, but still doesn't mean jack shit because, uh, it currently isn't available in Canada. Hasn't been approved in Canada. And even in the states, it hasn't been approved to a point where it's it's covered. Um, so there's a lot of discussions surrounding what are the steps that need to take place to get this drug in the hands of the people that need it. It's this it's this carrot dangling in front of the racehorse that he'll never really be able to get unless something physically steps in and, and creates change to give him the carrot, right? Um, and we don't know about that stuff. We don't, but we do know someone who does. And um, her name is Kim Steele. And she is uh, she works with CF Canada. And we took uh, a moment to speak with her over the phone uh, to basically talk about what this means for Canadians with cystic fibrosis and what we can do um, to, to make a difference. Uh, this is the... If you're listening to anything over this episode, this is what you should be listening to. Hear this. In my eyes, this one might be one of the most important things we've ever touched on in the 220-whatever fucking episodes of the podcast. Uh, so this, uh, without further ado, we'll throw it to our conversation with Kim Steele. Here we are. Uh, we're hanging out with Kim Steele, the, the director of Ad- advocacy uh, over at CF Canada. Uh, Kim, first of all, hello.
3: Hi, how you doing?
1: Good. Uh, secondly, what is a director of advocacy?
3: Uh, Well, director, my official title is uh, uh, Director of Government and Community Relations, but uh, essentially it is advocacy in a nutshell. Um, I work with a team uh, that um, that helps to shape uh, the public policy so that we we would be uh, kind of the big A advocacy, government relations, changing legislation, public policy and programs, you know, making sure that people with CF can access the medicines that they need, as well as the quality care that they need. On the other hand, uh, we also help individuals who are trying to navigate the system. So somebody's going for a lung transplant um, and doesn't have anybody to meet them at the hospital. We can arrange for that. Okay. So, um, okay. yeah, that's really it in a nutshell. That's really cool. Are, are you considered a lobbyist? Yes, absolutely. Um, Any paid staff within a charitable organization in certain provinces and at the federal level, uh, if you hit a minimum requirement, you have to register as a lobbyist and report on our activities. That's
1: really good. Okay, so this is all super fitting because we were just talking about, um, well, there's this big, obviously, you know this, Kim, there's this like Mm -hmm. big deal right now, like all over the media um about how there's this new like quote unquote miracle drug uh yeah. trikafta did i pronounce that right That's right Yeah trikafta yeah. that is like basically it was it was made it was pat the laws had or rather the FDA had passed like um
3: it did a priority a, a rapid review
1: Yeah yeah so they like t- yeah. they took this drug in and they were like let's really quickly tick all the boxes to make sure that we can say that, yes, this is like a safe drug, we should put this out and yeah. allow it to be in the hands of people who suffer from cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's really excited because this drug is essentially going to change the life of most people with cystic fibrosis, mm-hmm. like the most common g- gene of yeah, cystic absolutely. fibrosis, which what is gonna the say- gene... That I have.
0: You are going to say the most common ge- genetic form of cystic fibrosis and the people with the most amount of money are going to get access well, to Well, yeah,
1: right. So, that, <laughs> so that's where it's like this bittersweet thing, right? It's like, yay, mm-hmm. we've got this fucking awesome drug that could like completely change my life. Uh, but then we have, we have the issue, and this is the, currently just in the States, we have the issue with how much that drug costs and yep. getting into the hands of the people. Uh, but mm-hmm. Canada is a whole different story.
3: Yeah. I mean, we're we're in a very unique and I would say um, worse situation in Canada in many respects when it comes to access to these types of medicines. We call them disease-modifying therapies. They're, they're medicines that treat the basic <laughs> defect of CF. So that is at the genetic level. Um, there are over 2,000 mutations associated with CF, so fairly complex disease to, uh, to treat. But uh, this new drug does treat uh, the most common defects and, and up to 90% of the CF population. Now, when we look at the U.S., they've approved it for sale in the U.S. This does not mean that it's covered yet on Medicare or Medicaid. That comes after, just as it does in Canada. Our primary problem in Canada right now is that the manufacturer hasn't applied for Health Canada uh, approval, and that is required. That's that's our FDA, if you will, it's required. uh, It's the you know they're going to look at efficacy, safety, and quality, and then it can go through the rest of the system. But if the manufacturer doesn't apply, it can't go through the system.
0: So, so what prevents them from applying? Like, why wouldn't they apply?
3: Um, I mean, I, I can't really speak on behalf of the manufacturer. What I can say uh, is that Canada does have a fairly complex uh, system of, of drug, both from regulatory to drug review and then right to reimbursement. It's long and it's hard to get through, even if you have a drug with such stellar um, results. So generally, it can take between two to five years for a drug to get from Health Canada to patient. And and certainly the drugs that came before this, Kalydeco or Kambi, Simdeco, did not fare well in Canada's system in terms of approval. And uh, one of the biggest challenges we face is unlike the US, the UK, the EU, we do not have a strategy in place to deal with these types of medicines, these medicines for rare diseases that are really targeted, can do really amazing things, um, but uh, come with a heavy price tag and treat a small population. Um, They're not always the first drugs in line when government thinks of funding drugs. And so we need to change that.
2: So Kim, you kind of answered the question that I wanted to ask a little bit in the last few sentences Mm -hmm. um, about, I was going to ask if Canada sort of like if if FDA sort of like sets the sets an example for mm-hmm. Canada to make things a little bit easier to push through, the FDA approves a drug and then that sort of carries weight in terms of or or, mm-hmm. or does it carry weight in terms of Canada's review review process? But you said you said Kaleidico, um and Oracombi didn't really didn't really fare so well when mm-hmm. it came to the Canadian review. Do you? what is the what yeah. is the reasoning there why why they might face opposition in Canada but get pushed through and approved in in the u s
3: yeah again, I point to um sorry just a moment I'll start that again. Um, again, I point to uh, this need for a rare disease strategy, some kind of mechanism that looks at these tailored drugs um, and treats them um, and compares them to other drugs of their kind. So, you know, one of the things that, that uh, keeps coming up in, in, in reviews for drugs for rare diseases, and this is not just in cystic fibrosis, is that there are small numbers in the clinical trials. Therefore, we can't project this onto the larger population. Well, we're a rare disease. Of course, there's going to be small numbers in the trials. And once you start getting down to the genetic you know, makeup of people, it's going to get even slimmer. So, mm. um, you know, a rare disease strategy would look at that clinical trial model and say, OK, we need to do better. We need to build trials that, that will still create... Good evidence, and then we need to follow people in the real world and see how the drugs are performing in them. And this is one of our challenges: is our country and most of the provinces have have said, "Well, we don't think these drugs perform good enough yet, so we're going to wait for the triple. We're going to wait for Trikafta. But these drugs perform well in some people. We don't mm. know until they can try them.
1: Does, do you does, do you think that? Sorry, do you think that because there's a higher number of of CF patients with the the Delta F five hundred eight, that that it, it it might be a different story potentially for like getting for getting that approval.
3: We're certainly hoping so, and we're banking on it. Um, we're working very hard to uh, build a really solid business case. Uh, we're going to be doing a study on the impact of CF, and and that's going to look at some socioeconomic factors, as well as medical costs, missed opportunities, all of those things, because that's what it's going to take to convince our governments that these drugs that do have a higher price tag are, are, um, you know, not only effective from a, a medicine and medical perspective, but are also effective in helping people live fuller more participatory lives so So, uh,
0: knowing that knowing that canada doesn't really have a, a strategy for these types of cases um what is what is your role and how do you um try to affect change in in this situation
3: Sure, I mean, Cystic Fibrosis Canada has been working for over a decade for a rare disease strategy. We uh, and and it's kind of a, a happy and a sad story. Uh, we belong to an organization called the Canadian Organization for Rare Disorders, and there are a number of um, uh, international subsidiaries. And and uh, you know, I think in 2012 we got we got close with Health Canada to having a strategy. Um, government changed priorities, changed it got put on a shelf and then one day in 2017 it just disappeared from the Health Canada website and that's when we had to Start again. And so, what's promising is that um, you may be familiar with the National Pharmacare discussions that went on. uh, And through Cystic Fibrosis Canada, we were able to engage volunteers right across the country in these discussions, in these consultations. And that's where the rare disease strategy floated up again. And so, the current Liberal government, well, it was the former Liberal government um, in the last budget, in federal budget 2019. They um, they they committed to a rare disease strategy. There were commitments made on the campaign trail by both the conservatives and um, and the liberals. And I like to think that we had a large part to do that. We we trained up our our national advocacy app, um, network, which is about 140 volunteers across the country. We gave them pre-election kits. We, you know, we we ensured that people were out there talking to the candidates, and uh, and we, you know, we do that. We, we lobby. We we take people to Queen's Park. We take people to legislatures across the country. We go to Parliament, and we have those discussions. And we also um, do a lot of online campaigning to build awareness, not just within the CF community, but beyond. Is
1: there is there something to be said about like? Um, like a stress, like what about blackmail? It, it, do, do we think that maybe like, just like taking some really hard, you know, yeah. like just going underground, like digging up some dirt. Yeah. Digging it. Yeah. It's like maybe dig up some dirt. Like, I just feel yeah. like, you know, well,
3: <laughs> it, well, it'd be so much easier. But I will say this. I will say this. I've been working very closely with a 36 year old mom. Who's in a hospital right now in Vancouver, um, who was on private insurance, receiving Orcambi, lost her private insurance benefits. Orkambi was working great for her. Mm. Um, she lost it. The government wouldn't pay for it. She went from 69% lung function to 18%. She's now oh on my the God. list.
1: Holy wow. right?
3: fuck. Right? This happened in Canada. Yeah. And I, so I just work, you know, we work together and she's just written an open letter to the prime minister, um, ca- saying, N- I don't want anybody else to have to go through this. So yeah. like, if that's not blackmail enough, like yeah, if that yeah, right. get his attention to, mm-hmm. to, to do this now and not later, you know, I, I don't know what will. Yeah. So we have to keep the pressure on. And if you guys, you know, if you want to give, Go on, find some dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: we'll, pa- we'll pass it along it if we hurt, find
3: right? yeah. um, But really, we're trying to tell some really true stories about what's happening if Canada, would or because Canada doesn't have these drugs. It's one of the reasons we mm-hmm. built a clinical trial network. We actually have what's called a naive population. And what that means is there aren't very many, because of our poor policies, there aren't very many people who have been on these modulating therapies. So there's 40 new therapies that are in the pipeline. And they're competitor products, you know, it's very important in CF to have choice for many reasons. Um, and we you built say- this network partially so that these companies can come here and so that our people can try these drugs.
1: Did you say 40, like 40 gene-modulating gene, gene yeah. mo- modulating therapies? Yep. Yeah. Holy shit. I, I honestly, like... I get. I mean, I, I, I thought it was just Orcambi mm-hmm. and, yeah. Yeah. and those the ones you, yeah, those are the ones
2: you hear about. Yeah, and yeah,
1: then, they're, they're
3: down the road, right? And they're all the right. different parts of clinical trials. But the reality is, is what's going to work for some people, even though they might be indicated for it, it might not work for another. Right. Um, Interesting.
2: So, I, kind of piggybacking off of what the story you were just telling about the mom, um, the mom in the hospital, she loses mm-hmm. her, her drug coverage. She's on Orcambi. Um, and kind of piggybacking off of a, a previous question, when we were talking about trikafta having a bit of an advantage over drugs mm-hmm. like oracombi and kalidoco because it treats such a common uh, yeah. mutation, does does that also give it give it an advantage in the uh, like government funding, it being added to uh, two to health plans being covered? Does it have more mm-hmm. of an advantage because it treats Absolutely. so many more people?
3: Well, there there are a few things going in its favor, and one is, yeah, ninety percent of the population. That, I, but I think that also scares government a bit because of the price tag, right? That's just right. one rare disease. Uh, so, what has to happen is that price will probably have to come down. The you know the manufacturer will have to negotiate with governments, which is what they do all the time. Um, but that that and, that and all
2: the education around if you mm-hmm. give them this drug now, all the yeah. drugs that all those CF patients won't have to take. Because exactly. of because of taking the drug that that helps them so much, yeah. Or, or, the, or
3: less time. This is why we're doing that study. Well, this is yeah. exactly well, how, why we're doing that study so we can tell that story.
0: Well, how long? Um, if I, I'm not sure, I don't know too much about Trikafta right now. But if somebody mm-hmm. takes Trikafta, um what do the costs look like for that? And how long do you have to be on that to? to uh, realize the effects of it. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, I can't speak on the medical side of things, but what I can say is how long it would take uh, to kind of get to Canada and get through would be two to five years.
1: right? Even if we
3: expedited the review. Um, And that's why, again, we need a rare disease strategy. These are the types of drugs that need to get in, be fairly assessed, and very quickly get to the people who need it.
1: I mean, two to five years, like, that's two to five years that I might not have.
3: That's exactly it. And, it's, you, know? you know, it's an interesting situation that we're in right now in Canada because because we don't have great coverage of these other drugs. And, and you know, there is still education to do with government and perhaps you know, within even within our own community um, that that, you know, well, we can't just wait for this drug to come to Canada, because there are people who yeah. need medicines now, and we have to deal with the medicines that we have. Uh,
1: then, it, in that, um, you know, just to just to kind of hop on that, mm-hmm. what are what are we've heard? What CF Canada is trying to do to make change
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: for you know for three like dopes like us who <laughs> who don't really know much about anything like what can. <laughs> What can we do because it's true like I you know when i i i'll- t- I'll be really honest with you, Kim mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. the first article came out about Trikafta, mm-hmm. um my excitement level was peaked at like out of zero to a hundred peaked at maybe mm-hmm. two yeah because yeah, yeah. because i I literally was like, okay, I yeah. mean that yeah. doesn't mean that doesn't mean shit for me because yeah. I don't feel like um I don't feel like there's I mean I don't I don't feel like there's anything I can do to help get that drug here quicker. I I, I don't feel like we're living in a place that that you know we will see the day happen quick because I know I know mm-hmm. the people like Maddie Vanstone and yeah. and the people who have been like Putting their fucking foot down and making it's so good. much noise for things like Orcambi and for Coladico, and there's still nothing. So, yeah. so what? What can the people like ourselves or our peers who mm-hmm. who aren't involved with 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 CF Canada directly? What can we do to to help push this forward?
3: Sure. And I I will say that uh, even if you're not involved with CF Canada directly, we have a number of resources that you might want to use in any of your actions. Facts, stats, that kind of stuff. We're always happy to uh, to share that information. And we do work with people um, who would rather work in a third party kind of way. You know, sometimes they can work in ways we can't. And Mm -hmm. and and we try to coordinate our efforts wherever possible um, to make sure that uh, that we're hitting at the right times, you know, supporting each other where we can, etc. Some of the things that you can do, you know, even just as I, I, what you're doing right now is is use use the tools that you have to educate people about, you know, Canada's broken system and, and why it needs to be fixed. Our medicines are here now. We can't wait two to three years for a rare disease strategy to be in place. We're going to miss People and 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 we're going to lose people and mm. and and so we need people who have platforms um, to use their voices and, and be loud about the time is now and mm. here's why. I would also say uh, we do on our website. We have a number of different things. You, we have a petition that we started during the election. It now has thirty thousand signatures calling for a rare disease strategy. Um, you know, if you ever wanted to go out and meet with your, either your provincial or your federal elected official, um, we could help you with that in terms of, again, back stats, briefing notes. If you want to do something, you know, a little more creative, um, you know, people have done rallies. We we've supported rallies in the past. Um, the important thing there is to make sure that everybody is on the same message, you know, and that's what we, we try to do at our end is help to coordinate what some of those core messages might be, and and I think um, you know social media is is still a great way to influence um, the decision makers. Are one of our real challenges with the healthcare or the 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 kind of access the drug access landscape in Canada? It's not actually controlled by the politicians. It's controlled by the bureaucrats, and so those are the people who are a bit harder to get to. But. They still will bow to political pressure when the pressure is hot enough. And I will say the CF community has been keeping the pressure on and those bureaucrats are hearing about it. And not only are they hearing about it, they are meeting with some moms and dads and people with CF uh, just because people have been persistent and they've been uh, agitating.
1: I think I hear what you're saying. Dig up the dirt on the bureaucrats. (laughs) <laughs> Not the politicians. I got it. Yeah. Taking notes right now. Got that? I'm pretty
3: and sure I, they don't have any I, <laughs> all day long. I
0: know I know they I know that you say that we have to be aligned in our in our approach, but do you really want to know if we're um blackmailing them or should we just keep <laughs> yeah, that on the down low? Yeah, keep,
1: keep it under the table.
0: Um yeah. the the last thing I wanted to touch on about the mm. the rare disease strategy is is um I just want to stand be- understand better who is, would actually be in charge of putting that together, and because sure. I imagine this 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 um, spans spans uh, far beyond just cystic fibrosis, and yeah. it seems like the rare disease community is such a vulnerable community in the sense that there's there's a smaller population of people that are affected by rare diseases, therefore their voice is quieter than maybe yeah. some other cause. So and sick. who? Right, yeah, and mm-hmm. and they don't have the energy to be. Yeah. They're already fighting this, this these diseases, yeah. so so they don't have the energy to go and 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 advocate for themselves as much. Sh- so, sh- shouting takes a lot of lung capacity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so who is who are the people who would be accountable or, or in charge of putting this strategy together, and how would that get enacted?
3: Sure, we're going right to the top on this one. So uh, you know, for us, the the prime minister made a commitment in a in his budget. He made a commitment on the campaign trail. Um, uh, Andrew Shear made a commitment. Uh, so these these are the people who need to charge their parties, whoever happen, you know, whoever the new health minister happens to be, and the health critic to get it done. And one of the beautiful things about being in a minority government is that every party has to show up. They have to. This is a nonpartisan issue. The Bloc will show mm. up for Quebec, but they're already working on a strategy. So who will be the mastermind? They will be the drivers, right? But in terms of who's going to architect this, um, definitely the, the position that we have taken is that it needs to be a pan-Canadian effort. Uh, you know, all we, that involves the provinces and the feds working together. Um, we don't think it's sustainable if it's just a universal single-payer model, which is what the Liberals wanted. Um, you know, uh, I just... A bill, an annual bill for Trikafta could could wipe out their budget that they have right now set aside. Mm. So they need to do some thinking around the finances. But we see the provinces and the feds working together with, um, you know, they have to work with industry. So pharma, they'd have to work with us. They'd have to work with clinicians and, and other healthcare practitioners, pharmacists um, to really get at how this is. And one of the challenges with CF, again, is. You know, if we go a single payer universal model with the, with the liberals, the challenge here is going to be they're going to start buying in bulk because that's how you save money. And we can't, you know, we can't buy bulk antibiotics. Um, people need variety in antibiotics. So there's these small nuances that we really need to pay attention to uh, through the rare disease community. But for me and and for what we're doing, we're trying to go forward the, the goal is to put the pressure on the provinces, put the pressure on the feds, and say you guys need to work together if we're really going to do this right.
1: Mm. Uh, Kim, I want to say thank you so much for taking some time to to sit down with us today and to to um, to helping us just spread some of this knowledge and and get the awareness out there. Um, uh, when I was saying earlier, you know that my 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 excitement. Peaked at two um, mm-hmm. when I first heard about Trikafta. um, I would say after this conversation, my 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 excitement has like peaked now at about a at like a ten out of a
3: hundred. So like you know we're
1: we're moving on up, <laughs>
3: we're moving in the right direction, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And so I want to say I just want to say thank you and and because I I do feel that you know a lot of our listeners, um, most of our listeners don't have cystic fibrosis. And a lot of our listeners aren't sick. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's the people that listen to our podcast that, um, you know, th- these are the people that I want to hear this stuff mm-hmm. yeah. because, um, I think it's easy when, when, when we aren't, um, uh, directly affected by a particular illness, it's easy to to kind of miss out on the importance of certain things, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to like the innovation on on trying to to get certain meds pushed forward to change people's lives, and so
0: well, the, um, the crazy thing is that people here, like the common person, here is like, "Oh, there's there's a CF basically cure that I, I heard I, about." I and,
1: could not and, tell you how many people Brian had sent yeah. me articles going. How amazing news!
3: Exactly, like, And they, so great. They,
0: they think the fight is done now,
3: That's but right. actually,
0: the fight is just starting.
1: The fight it hasn't, this is, yeah, the fight this hasn't the even begun. Iceberg. Exactly, That's right. yeah. yeah. So, so thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with us and to uh, to inform some of our listeners because I think this is really important. And I don't think they think that this is a, a topic that we're gonna we're gonna touch on once and then mm-hmm. never really come back to. I think this is going to be a, a kind of a continual thing over the next um, the next year or so. So, uh, thank you so, so much. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. And, 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 uh, keep us posted. Let us know what we need to know and, and let us know, uh, you know, afterwards we'll, we'll chat about what, what we can do to get involved.
3: I'd love that. Okay. Thank you. Take care. All right.
0: Thanks Kim. Thanks. Bye. Well, there you have it. Um, I'm really excited that we got a chance to talk to Kim because, um, I've been thinking a lot lately about advocacy and and what our role could be um, in, in kind of actually affecting change in the way that um, these systems work. I know, I know that I've been talking to, I was mentioning to you guys that I've been talking to um, a woman named Dina, who is a social worker at the McGill University Health Center. Yeah. And we're looking forward to having her on the podcast, but you know we we kind of have this understanding that you know healthcare in canada is is a pretty great system you know it provides a lot of people with um access to free or affordable healthcare yeah but the reality is is that there's a lot that we can do better at yeah
1: there's a big gray area to to saying that we have a great system because
0: there are parts of our system that are great and i think the thing that we heard from kim was the fact that You know, it takes like the thing that really affects change is people using their voice to speak up. Yeah, and we have one. I mean, you know, not to say not to like toot our own horn,
1: but it's it's funny because this this conversation came up in a live show that we did recently with uh, uh, Paralympian Andrew Haley. Mm -hmm. But like, we do have a platform. We do have a voice that is a little bit louder than. Than you know your average Joe that you might pluck off the street, but, but I
0: think the reason why, and I and I think the value in bringing this up and talking about it now is that is that we it's not our voices; it's the fact that we have the ability to amplify others' voices, right? You know, and yeah. and, and hear these experiences and talk about them and encourage um, the people who listen to this show to band behind us and, and yes, you know, move in the same direction and collaborate on actually um, changing the way that things work for the better I agree, and, um, and that's the thing that excites me about this and I, and I think that's a value in bringing up and, and saying that to the people who listen it's like guys we have the opportunity to, to coordinate and to come together and to actually make a change which is why I think that the reason why I wanted to bring that up now is because um, we should send people to that, that uh, petition to get them to sign it well oddly enough
1: Brian that petition link is right now in our Instagram bio. So go to our Instagram right now and click the link in our bio and it will take you directly to that petition on the CF Canada website. And, uh, you know, it would be nice if we could see, you know what? Here's something really cool. If every one of you listening, um, if every single one of you listening did that, we would likely bring that uh, that petition number up to... Pretty much the same amount of people that follow us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So to see that petition go up by 10k would be pretty fucking cool. And all it takes is literally 45 seconds of your life. You have a phone. Open your Instagram at Sick Boy Podcast. Click the link in the bio, and put your name, and and like hit submit, and then yeah. you're done.
2: And like and and it's not. You know, that, this isn't some fucking like, you know, like go vote for our podcast so <laughs> we can win some fucking award thing. This is like, go put your name on something that could save my um, life, Jeremy's life yeah. or somebody else's life. Um, Many other know, people's with, lives. With CF and kids that are being born with CF right now that won't ever have to fucking go through declining lung function yeah. like you have for 30 years. Yeah. And having fucking needles put in their arms. Yeah. Freaking the fuck out. Yeah, save kids with needle fears. <laughs> I think for this it's episode, not a needle fear. It's a v- vain save v- Kids with vain fears. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think for this episode, it'd be um, it would be fair to to not use, do our regular sign up and just basically ask the people who are listening right now to to go and and, yes. and do that on our Instagram.
1: Sure. Bio.
2: Yeah, and then right after that,
1: and then after that, say thank you, Donovan, because you are a part of this team. And you're not here, but silently you're in the background and you are uh, helping us create you're helping us put this voice, this
0: loud voice out there. And not so silently, you just made it sound like that needle
2: coming out of Jeremy's arm. Oh God! Oh, wow. the, the port, the, yeah. uh, the pick line sliding out. What does it sound like? Do, uh, do some research on that, Donovan. Watch a couple oh. of YouTube videos of people oh. getting their pick line taken out. Um, uh,
1: Alright, well, with that then that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy and this is SickBoy.